Show me a sign of your favor, O Lord, for you have comforted me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Good morning. All right. It's good to see you all here. Um, you know, first, before we plunge into things, I just want to give a special shout-out and a thank you for the uh, Vacation Bible School that we just finished up on Friday. It was a tremendous, tremendous week, very successful. I want to give a special thank you to the folks who um, heard the, the call last week when we needed some folks to step forward to make sure there were meals provided on Thursday and Friday, that that happened. And um, just thank you for your contributions. And just to let you all know that um, you know, if you really want to do some sort of evangelizing and open up the church for uh, you know, people to come in and, and wonder what's going on, what you need are a couple of sheep, a duck, maybe a, a giant cathedral rabbit and a couple of chickens. You will get people walking by. We had a... <laughs> We had the um, petting zoo there on Friday, and it was, it was just wonderful to see you know, the children and their parents, and as I say, just passers-by, just walking by going, what, what's going on there? What's, what's up with this? You know? And myself, uh, being raised in, in Los Angeles and not having too much familiarity with uh, the differentiation between a sheep and a goat, I walked up to one of the <laughs> to the uh, to one of the tenders and said, "Well, well, how many how many different types of goats do you have here?" She said, "Well, those are goats, and those are sheep." I'm like, ah, okay, got it, got it. Anyway, <laughs> all that being said, a, a thank you to everyone for that that contribution and for making that uh, such a, a wonderful success. Um, as I said there in the beginning, uh, the psalmist. So the psalmist cries out, show me a sign of your favor. Show me a sign of your favor. And of course, our question would be, well, what is that sign? What could it be that would be that sign of favor and of God's uh, righteousness and of God's participation in, in our lives? The scriptures offer us that and two other paths for us to consider and to explore wanted to come back to the psalmist, but first we think about uh, the gospel passage there and what Jesus says, describing himself as the son of man who is content to wait until the end of the age before getting down to the, uh, the hard and dirty business of separating the wheat from the weeds. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, is what he says. And in a sense, that's just describing the world as it is. Am I right? Today's wheat is tomorrow's weed and vice versa. That just seems to be the, the way of, of the world, the, the way of life. I mean, one day, one day, perhaps today, you're the good seed. You're the good wheat just going along, participating in God's great story. Just everything is just fine. And then tomorrow, for heaven's sakes, you are nothing but a weed getting in the way. No matter. Let them grow together. Tomorrow's wheat is today's weed. And then we have Paul struggling to explain his life in the Spirit and, and our own souls crying out, Abba, Father. But what struck me the most in, in this particular passage, you know how Paul can be 
um, convoluted and all over the place. And you're wondering, well, what, what's going on in there? What is he trying to say? The passage that hit me the most was where he said that all of creation is groaning. And creation is waiting. Creation longing. Creation in bondage. In bondage to what, you may ask? In bondage to whom, you may ask? And the answer would be to us. If you have been following the news lately, then you know creation is groaning. It's been over 110 degrees for 23 days straight in Phoenix. Deluges in Vermont, Pennsylvania, Nova Scotia, washing away babies. Creation is groaning. That's what came to me in Paul's passage. I have this cartoon on my, uh, my door of, uh, of a girl and, and her mother at the beach. And she has a seashell. And she's looking at her mother and she's holding the seashell and she says, if you place this to your ear, you can hear the earth crying out for mercy. Creation is groaning. So Jesus and Paul give us two avenues of consideration. And then there is the psalmist. And with him we can do a little eavesdropping and, and praying as he asks for a sign. And he begins, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Knit my heart to you, that I may fear your name. This is the prayer, brothers and sisters, of a disciple. This is the plea of anyone who seeks that close relationship, that makes the soul cry out, Abba, Father, teach me. Knit my heart to you. I want to thank you. I want to glorify you, because you have delivered me. So they say we're eavesdropping on a prayer, but it's not just an ancient prayer from a thousands and thousands of years ago. This is our own prayer that we speak and say today. I know that I need to stay close to Christ, knit my heart to him, so I don't wander off leaning on my own often confused understanding. Now we'll put the question, how about you? Do you want to be knitted close to Christ? Do you want to praise him? Do you want to thank him? Do you want to say, God, you are glorified? This is when in the church somebody would say, amen. Amen, preacher. I do want to praise him. I do want to thank him for what he has done in my life. But also, does anyone here want to be delivered? Is anyone here in a pit of sorrow or remembering a time when they were delivered. When you prayed the words, the arrogant rise up against me, O God, and a band of violent men seeks my life. Consider that in the original Hebrew, there was no personification in this passage. The psalmist could just as easily be describing our own inner struggle with despair and with doubt with fear and with hopelessness. A band of violent men seeks my life. Thoughts that do not regard you, O Lord, have taken hold of me and are pulling me down. 
Have we ever found ourselves in what the psalmist describes as the nethermost pit, waiting, hoping, praying for deliverance, praying for rescue, for a sign of God's love? Show me a sign of your favor, Lord, for I am alone, but not truly alone in this pit. For every Christian has been there, all of us, have been there. Even the greatest saints that we praise and remember have been there. Mother Teresa said, I have never had clarity. This is from a woman who spent half a century in spiritual darkness while tending to the dying in Calcutta. And yet she persisted saying we must know exactly when we say yes to God, what is in that yes. Yes means I surrender totally, fully, without any counting cost. Even in the nethermost pit, the place of sorrow, I surrender and I pray, teach me your way, O Lord, knit my heart to you. We go back into the ancient times, into the, the, the deserts there in North Africa, a basilica where St. Augustine says, there are so many asking every day, so many groaning, so many needy people pleading that we have to leave several of them unhappy because we haven't got enough to give them all something. Then as now, God's abundance falls short, and the pit can be a lonely place. Those words of St. Augustine are not just for the ancient times, right? Because Jesus has said, the poor will always be with you. When I drive down, I come in on, on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, heading towards the freeway. At every intersection, there is somebody asking for money. There was somebody making the motion of food. St. Augustine says there are so many pleading, there are so many needy, and we don't have enough to give them all something. There, in the pit, in that lonely place, Martin Luther King Jr. in the early days of the Montgomery boycott wrote, I'm faltering. I'm losing my courage, and I can't let the people see me like this, because if they see me weak and losing my courage, they will begin to get weak. Oppressed by darkness, by the needs of the hungry, by the whispering voices of fear, the saints prayed, just as we pray in hope. You, O Lord, are gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, full of kindness and truth. The people of the Hebrew Scriptures knew these words because they shaped their understanding of God. Time and time again, if you go through the Scriptures, you find variations of that very phrase in the Torah, in the Psalms, in the prophet Joel. You, O Lord, are gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and full of kindness and truth. The words are consoling. The prayer is comforting. God is not absent. God is near. 
God is gracious and full of compassion, too full of compassion. When we find these words on the, the lips of Jonah, who was very, 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 very upset about God's compassion and God's grace because rather than strike down the Ninevites, God has saved them and rescued them. God is too full of compassion, too full for us to wrap our arms around him and put him in a box and control and say, for these you will have compassion, but for these you will not. No, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Thankfully, thankfully, full of compassion and mercy, for he finds us wherever we are and strengthens us so that in each and every endeavor we can pray, with God's help, I will. Yet, as we have said now, the psalmist has that one final request. Show me a sign of your favor. I don't know exactly what the psalmist might have been thinking of there in, oh, what, you know, 800 B.C. But I do know that for us, gathered here today, right now, for us, there has been a great sign of God's favor that has already come and has already birthed a new people into being. For that great sign of God's favor is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. Jews demand a sign, St. Paul says to the Corinthians. The Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, the power and wisdom of God. He is the rock on which we stand. He is the great teacher who calls out, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And not only give you rest, but I will teach you. Learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We cry out, teach me, O Lord. Knit my heart to you. And he responds, come unto me and learn from me. He is the one on whom I want to knit my heart and glorify and praise, not only for deliverance, but for every day, even on the worst days, to be able to say, Lord, you are gracious and full of compassion. I've mentioned before various folks in the, that I have encountered sometimes who, who are bedridden and are yet are able to sing out, glory to God, solus Dio gloria, God is great, even in their merciful and even in those places where they are can still sing and praise God because he is merciful because he is gracious, because he is full of compassion. Show me a sign, someone says, and we respond, there is a sign, and the sign is Jesus Christ crucified. If you want a sign, look to the cross. If you want a sign, look to the empty tomb. If you want a sign, look around this very room, and you will see the sign and evidence of God's favor of God who loves us, of God who gave his son for us so that we would be transformed, transfigured, and made a new people in his light and his love. Brothers and sisters, as I said, in the psalmist, we have a prayer that is on the lips of all of us. The arrogant at times 
seek to strike us down and to grip us and to hold us back. But God, in his mercy, breaks their bonds and allows us to stand whole as children of God. Blessed brothers and sisters, gathered together by his son, by his sacrifice, and by his resurrection. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.